Hello, I'm Carly Fiorina, and this is By Example. On this podcast, we sit down with leaders of all types to explore examples of real leadership and the qualities of all great problem solvers. I think we get really confused about what leadership is. On By Example, we lift up the real leaders, people who are focused on changing the order of things for the better and solving real problems that are right in front of them. Leading by example. Bob Dole is a member of what we call the greatest generation. And members of this greatest generation are known for their dedication, their patriotism, their service, their humility. I think Bob Dole is so impressive because of his optimism. You're going to hear Bob Dole's story of his injury in World War II, how terrible that injury was. And you will also hear about the critically important choice that he made to recover, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually. There's not a bitter bone in Bob Dole's body. In fact, he will say that he considers himself the most optimistic man in America. Of course, in these divisive political times, we also think of Bob Dole as a leader of bipartisanship and collaboration, a leader in the Senate who focused on actually getting things done. I always say that leadership is a choice, and part of being a leader is to be optimistic and see possibilities, and Bob Dole is a man who has always chosen to be optimistic and to see possibilities for his own life, but to see the possibilities in others' lives as well. As you listen to this podcast, imagine if you were a World War II veteran and you came to the nation's capital to see the World War II memorial for the first time. But then imagine stepping off the bus and seeing Bob Dole right there to greet you personally. That's the kind of guy Bob Dole is. And that's why I was so privileged to have him as a guest on By Example. Hello, and welcome to By Example. I'm Casey Enders, CEO of Carly's nonprofit, Unlocking Potential, and I'm joined by a new and different co-host today, but a gentleman whose voice you have heard on the podcast before, our By Example producer, Eric Pulse. Hi, Casey. Hi, Eric. How you doing? Not too bad. How are you? I am very good. And we are excited about today's conversation. But before we dive in, I wanted to just highlight a couple of things that are upcoming on, on the podcast. We're getting into the holiday break. And so want to keep you guys apprised and updated on, on what you can expect. So first, um, dropping today also is a bonus episode with a gentleman named John Kemp, who is actually recommended to us by, by Senator Bob Dole, uh, who is the guest on today's conversation. And Eric will tell you just a little bit about John Kemp, but we really don't want you to miss this this episode. We think it's just a phenomenal conversation um, just between Carly and John, kind of no commentary. We just ran it all the way through. At the end of today's conversation with Senator Dole, we're actually going to let him introduce you to John Kemp. But let me get, tell you guys beforehand, we talk often about leaders are not always people you've heard of, some of the best leaders you've never heard of. This is an example for us to prove that point. Listen to this bonus episode, John Kemp not only has an incredibly inspiring story of resilience through incredible hardship, but he also is a gifted storyteller and a gifted teacher 
for those of us who maybe aren't familiar with what all goes on in the disabilities community, yeah. you'll be incredibly impressed, inspired, and you'll have some very practical, easy takeaways for you. Yeah, we, we are very excited about the episode, and, and frankly, we think you will be too. At the same time, um, it's almost Christmas time, and Carly has recorded a special Christmas message that's going to be released on Christmas Day, and Eric and I have had a chance to listen to that episode in so advance. Good. It's really good. Um, you really, really don't want to miss it. And so we just wanted to very quickly, up front, make sure that you guys knew John Kemp, also dropping today, definitely something you should listen to. And Christmas message coming out on Christmas, absolutely, maybe one of our favorite things that's gotten recorded all year. You're going to learn something about Carly personally in that Christmas message that is relatable in anybody's life. Uh, it's very powerful, very moving, and also very uplifting. Super special. And so wanted to make sure you guys had a chance to learn about it and set your calendars to make sure you have an opportunity to hear that episode on Christmas Day. That's right. Um, we invited Eric on the podcast today because our guest today is Senator Bob Dole, and Eric has a longstanding relationship with the senator and was instrumental, actually, in setting up the conversation and interview between Carly and Senator Dole. And so we asked Eric to join us and share a little bit up front about his relationship with the senator, um, how he got to know him, and frankly, just a bit about Senator Dole's background. Yeah, so uh, this is very exciting for me. It's like my two favorite Americans talking. <laughs> so I've known Senator Dole for about five years now. Uh, got to know him when I was 19 and he was 89. And uh, just went into his office to meet him. I was in D.C. for an internship with Senator John McCain. And was at the time going to the University of Kansas. I'm Kansas native um, from just down the road from where Senator Dole is from and was working at the Dole Institute of Politics. Met him, took a picture, you know, glad-handed, all that kind of stuff. We hit it off. Five years later, he, you know, is one of my best mentors and best friends. So This is also an interesting lesson on networking for all of our <laughs> listeners. You want to meet your heroes. Apparently, all you have to do is ask for a selfie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Maybe that's that only works if you're as handsome as Eric Paul's. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> do you think I was being sarcastic? No. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, a little bit about Senator Dole if people don't. No. He was born and raised in Russell, Kansas, born in 1923. He's now 95 years old. He and his family fell on hard times, moved into the basement of their home, and rented out the upstairs to people coming through town or working in town. Uh, he then went to the University of Kansas, wanted to be a doctor. He then went and fought in World War II, so his college was broken up. Uh, he said he didn't do very well in college because he spent all of his time having going away parties for all of his friends that were being drafted into oh, World wow. War II. Wow. And so... He goes to World War II uh, as second lieutenant in the 10th Mountain Division. On April 14th, um, 1945, he was in Italy, in Castel Diano, which is like north-central Italy, and was taking a hill uh, against some German fire on top of the hill. He sees his radio man uh, shot, and he runs out to save him and is then shot himself. Uh, he will talk a little bit about that here when mm. we get started, but what resulted from that is a lifetime of paralysis in his right arm, partial paralysis in his left arm. He had organs removed. He had dozens of surgeries. He was in the hospital for like three years, full body cast, would pack him in ice when he'd get fevers. Yeah. Uh, the town of Russell, you'll hear him talk about people helped him. And one thing the town of Russell did is they put a cigar box on the drugstore counter where he used to work and people would chip in money. That's pretty cool. And I think that was his like first foray into kind of public service. Obviously, he had military service, but 
saw, seeing people just doing something for somebody. And uh, that stuck with him forever and I think is a large part of why he became who he became. And we're going to go back uh, and start this conversation right around where Senator Dolan Carley are actually talking about his injury. But before we do that, Eric, you've worked with and for Senator Dole and Carley, um, and you kind of made this leadership match happen. Both of them are kind of consummate leaders, as we think of them, in that they're incredibly humble. Yep. So could you just say a couple of words um, on their behalf about their leadership styles and what you think is similar about how they think about leadership? Yeah, so we talk often here about leadership is not title, position, or power. And these are two people who have had both. Obviously, we know Carly, you know, yep. CEO and um, now chairman of Carly Fiorina Enterprises and Unlocking Potential. Bob Dole was Senate Majority Leader. He was candidate for vice president with Gerald Ford. He was the 1996 Republican nominee. He has had, he will tell you other than one, <laughs> since he was just the nominee, but he has had some of the best titles yeah. this country has to offer. Yet, as you will hear in this interview, and as you'll hear whenever he speaks, he can't brag about himself. Yeah. Like, so it was one of the most striking things about Carly kind of tries to get it, and he says, no, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. I yeah, yeah. It's uh, pretty very special. Yeah. And so that, though, while it doesn't necessarily make for the most conducive conversation about what makes you such a great leader, <laughs> it in itself is a quality that both of them have that is humility and empathy. And I think the reason both of them have it is because, well, so both of them are just humble people. They right. just have a good outlook on, you know, the folks around them and what they do. But also they have both very much started from the bottom. They both faced incredible hardships, and that gives them the perspective that they know others around them are facing that too, and so that makes them very empathetic. Would you say they're leading by example? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> On that cheesy note, let's go to Senator Dole and Carly and hear a little bit about the beginning of Senator Dole's leadership journey. When you were in World War II, I think most people know that you were – uh, very seriously injured in World War II. It's how you lost the use of your right arm. But what people may not know is that you were injured in an act of leadership. You were actually trying oh, to right. save your fellow soldier. You were a heroic leader in that way. And I bet you never even thought twice about it. You just did it. Yeah, well, I did it, and unfortunately, my radio man... Uh, Corporal Sims did not make it. I got him back into the little ravine with the help of others who had to get me back, too. And I learned a lot about getting along with people. Yes, I guess when you're stuck in a foxhole, literally, with folks, you need to learn how to get along with all kinds of folks. I'm sure that prepared you well for the Senate in some ways. But, you know, you, you mentioned your fellow soldier who didn't make it. You almost didn't make it. Your injuries were right. extremely serious, and your recovery was very, very difficult. Oh, very long, too. And there are people who might have gone through such a long and difficult recovery and come out the other side bitter, and you didn't. Why not? I don't know. I thought, you know, I remember a doctor telling me, I think he said, Lieutenant, you've got to make the most of what you have left. I mean, I couldn't use my right arm, my left hand. I don't have good feeling in. Was that Dr. Kilikian who told you that? 
Oh, Dr. Kalikian, oh yes. Yeah, he was like a second father to me. I stayed at their house and and he operated on me, I don't know how many times, trying to, to get my hand to work, but just a wonderful person. And he lifted you up when you needed that. Oh, yes. Basically, what he told you was to focus on what you had, not what you'd right. lost. Yeah, it was a, very, a positive statement, and, well, it was accurate, because I did have to move along in life. I just couldn't stay there and... I believe I provided leadership. Yes, I, I would say you have. <laughs> right. I'd say you've made quite a lot of well, what you had. Right. Well, I, And that was a choice, wasn't it? Yes. Leadership is a choice, I think. Oh, yeah. Some people... Well, if you don't want to take the heat and make decisions that may even be opposed by friends, but if you're right, you're right, and you do what you believe is right. And I tried that out for a long time. Well, it's so interesting because it's one of the reasons I think courage is so important in leaders. Because you do have to make people unhappy sometimes. You have to do what you think is right. And not everybody agrees with you. No, it's sometimes a very difficult decision you have to make. When I was the Republican leader in the Senate, I had a great group of colleagues And in those days, we used to work with Democrats. Imagine that. And today, all they do is scream at each other, which I think is unfortunate because, you know, there's wisdom among the Democrats and certainly among Republicans. And some of these things ought to be worked out. And we had pretty good success. We had a great time and even had a lot of fun. What you're pointing out so well for our listeners is that part of leadership is collaboration with others, even people you don't always agree with. And the reason you collaborated with Democrats is because you were trying to actually solve problems and change things for the better. That's true. And though it hadn't been that many years ago, I I think there's something missing now in the well, in the Senate, which I know pretty well, there's not the cooperation that we should have, so we can be hopeful. <laughs> I had a lot of good people. I always felt that you're no better than your staff, and so you better get a good staff. People like Eric seated on my left, another good Kansas boy. <laughs> And I'm so lucky he works on our team now. All right, I <laughs> and know. And he stayed on... on your team always. Oh, yeah. And I learned a lot from people like Secretary Jim Baker, who's probably the smartest person I've ever met until I met you. <laughs> so, oh, you're a diplomat, too. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, you're clearly a man of great courage. You run into enemy fire literally to save a buddy. You're clearly a man of great character. And that character has been exhibited in tough times as well as good times. Right. You're not afraid to take a tough decision. You're humble and empathetic enough to collaborate with all kinds of people. And all of those things are part of why you're such a good leader. The other thing that people talk about when they mention your name is your humor. Your sense of humor. 
Talk to me about how humor has helped you be a leader. Or has it? Oh, yeah. I I don't know whether... I don't believe it's hurt anything, but uh, my view is you got to keep the people awake. (laughs) If you don't have a few little stories to tell, you know, some would doze off. (laughs) So I try to keep them awake and at the same time deliver a message, whatever it was. Well... You know, our culture, we were talking about our culture, but I think sometimes in our music, in our television, in our politics, the way we try and keep people awake is through, I don't know, bombast and outrage and controversy and conflict and challenge and harsh language. And how refreshing to hear a leader say, I want to keep people awake with humor, (laughs) humor that people can relate to. Oh, yeah, I don't tell any jokes that they can't repeat. (laughs) That must be why you've been such a repeat guest on Saturday Night Live. You're a funny guy. Well, let's see. Who played Bob Doe? Norm MacDonald? Oh, he was good. (laughs) And when I lost, he lost. You know, didn't have a job anymore because I was not a candidate. Well, it's good you can you can laugh about that. Not not everybody can laugh about their portraits on Saturday Night Live. I would oh, say. Oh yeah. Well, we had a lot of fun, and McDonald, Norm McDonald, did an excellent job. I thought. So I think it's interesting in that last clip, he mentions an aspect or a component of leadership that we haven't actually discussed much on By Example, and that's humor. Yeah. And so, you know, I listened to this interview a little while ago, and in preparation for our conversation today, Eric, I went and did a little reading to understand, you know, are there other folks that, that feel this way about leadership, and is there research out there that says that humor is a, is a critical component? Mm. And um, what I found, which may not surprise people, that, you know, Senator Dole, who is a leader, uh, I think of, you know, um, legendary level, I would say, uh, that he's right about this, but just to kind of build on some of the things he was saying, I read this great article by, there's a class apparently at Stanford about humor in business huh. that's led, yeah, led by a guy named Joel Stein. And he wrote a piece about how you can start to think about humor and leadership because it's so critical. And wow. so the data that he's collected essentially says that um, leaders in business who use humor as part of their toolkit have um, a competitive advantage against their peers. They have higher retention rates for their employees. They're more likely to produce innovative solutions, and their teams are more resilient to stress. So tons of benefits, right? Yeah. Um, And one of the other things that he talks about is how can you actually start to think about being funny? Um, So oftentimes around the age of 23, we fall off a humor cliff, which is we stop thinking we're funny, and we stop um, laughing as much as we did, which, you know, coincides. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Eric's over there being like, I haven't laughed in years. (laughs) Just kidding. On by example, we have no trouble with the humor piece. My coworkers want to push me off that cliff. (laughs) (laughs) But no, the reality is he gives some really practical tips um, around humor and leadership. So, for example, and and this almost goes without saying, but, you know, punching down is not a particularly funny or good route to go. But self-deprecating humor is often incredibly effective. And frankly, we heard it in that clip, right? I mean, this is the stuff that Senator Dole just knows intuitively. But he he got that on Saturday Night Live. um, You know, that was funny. And he was able to talk about it and make connections not only with Carly, but frankly, with our listeners and with us. Well, and SNL is... You know, obviously it was at his expense and he found it funny. He appeared with him. Um, 
but as they do so many times, whether it's I can see Russia from my house or right, like right, Dana right. Carvey's HW impression, they attach things to the principle right. that they don't necessarily do. So in Bob Dole's case, yeah. the SNL character spoke in third person all the time. So like Bob Dole likes your style. And, like Bob <laughs> Dole the, and so if you heard in that, in yeah. him talking about Norm MacDonald, he said, who played Bob Dole? <laughs> So oh, that's funny. There was a little bit of self-deprecation in there too. Um, uh, I missed that. I'm honestly, I'm glad you broke it down. Yeah. And so the other thing that it does for him. So Senator Dole has written two books on humor, where he went through I political didn't history. That. Yeah. And so one of them is called Great Political Wit, Laughing Almost All the Way to the White House. Awesome. And one of them is called Great Presidential Wit. I wish I was in this book. And, <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And in, in it, he goes through some of the best examples of political humor that leaders have used. One thing that his colleagues might tell you with a little bit of um, flinching is that sometimes in meetings, the humor was used to prove a point if somebody was being a little bit difficult. Yeah, interesting. But it's a way to do that in a way that everybody can laugh about. Yeah, yeah. And uh, in a way that, as he says, sends a message keeps people engaged. Yeah. And I think that's so valuable to use as a tool. Absolutely. But like you said, also, if you can be self-deprecating, it, I don't know about you, I have so much more respect for people who can yeah, be self-deprecating. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, and because it, it inspires it shows people around them. They don't necessarily take themselves so seriously. That's right. Even if they're like Senator Dole, who frankly, or Carly, who frankly have a lot of reasons to take themselves very seriously. Yes, and they take their cause seriously. That's right. But they don't that's need to take themselves overly seriously in the process. Right. And that mentality... Uh, I think is derived out of hard times. I mean, yeah, again, look at right. look at right. what he went through. Without humor and a little bit of positive outlook on life, you can't get through that yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So in this next clip, I think he and Carly also have a conversation about another important component. Um, and this is one we do talk a lot about uh, at Unlocking Potential and Carly Fiorina Enterprises, which is this idea of um, optimism and pessimism and realism and how you kind of strike a balance and make a choice among all of those different It's decisions. that same mindset we were just talking exactly. about. Exactly. That's exactly right. Well, you have a couple of choices. You can be the optimistic or pessimistic, and you have to make a choice. You know, if, if you're going to get along, you get something done, and if you change one life during your life, you're a winner just helping someone. And I've been very active in the disability community. And these people with disabilities, in most cases, are very bright. They're educated. They know they have to. Well, you have a choice. You can either kind of say, well, it's all over for me. Or you can say, well, maybe I can still do something. I, I think in a way you just gave the purest definition of leadership there is. Leaders change the order of things for the better. And you just said if you change a life for the better, you're a winner. Right. And that's exactly right. Well, I'm not sure I've saved it. Well, I did, I get No, I tried. You've made lives better. Yeah. <laughs> You've lifted people up, probably well, people you don't even know. I think I always wanted to help people because people were helping me. And it just seemed like a natural thing that I'd be helping them, which we've tried to do a lot of. Yes, and you've succeeded. Well, you're generous in spirit, and we don't always lift that up in our culture either. No, that's true. 
So what's awesome about that conversation is this idea around choice. Yeah. And I think it's clear that both Senator Dole and Carly, to your point, Eric, made conscious choices at various points in their careers and in their lives to lead. It's something we talk a lot about, right? One of our taglines is choose to lead because it really is anyone can be a leader, but it takes a conscious decision and choice. And I think, you know, Senator Dole provides an awesome explanation there for why he made that choice. Uh, and I think, Eric, you have a kind of story or a little bit more that you can share about what what kind of got him to that place where he is choosing leadership. Yeah, you heard mentioned earlier in the podcast, Dr. Kalikian. Um, Humpar Kalikian was a doctor in Chicago who operated many times on Senator Dole, as he referenced. And he kind of practiced a form of tough love, which was... Uh, you know, you can, as he said, you can say it's all over for me and just kind of waste away or you don't have to. And this doctor, um, in a very pure example of leadership, helped Senator Dole, then just second Lieutenant Dole, realize the potential that he did still have. And as Senator Dole would tell you, that there is, there was a period there where he really didn't know if he had anything left to offer or sure. to do. And this doctor really kind of grabbed him by the shoulders and said, you have so much more to offer. You're not going to be a surgeon like you thought you were going to be. Oh, did but, he think he was going to be a surgeon? Yeah. And so wow. then he went back to law school. And so then you're thinking, law school, the guy can't take notes. So what did he do? He brought this big, again, this is the 40s. So yeah. he brought this big recorder that recorded onto vinyl records to class. And he would just listen to them over and over to study. Wow. And uh, which is probably why at 95, he still has the memory he does. Yeah. Uh, but that doctor helped unlock Bob Dole's potential. And, you know, that's why to this day that is one of the heroes of his life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Carly's story is similar, right? So she talks about when she was a secretary and she was at this little nine-person real estate firm and she was still trying to figure out what she wanted to do with her life. She didn't necessarily have a plan or a destination in mind. And what happened is she did that work as a secretary with excellence at this tiny little firm. And so, of course, people noticed. And so these two partners at the firm came to her and said, you know, we, we've noticed you. We've taken stock of your hard work. We want to help you. We think you can do more than type and file. So let us help you unlock your potential. We believe in you and we want to help you do that. And I think she would say that's what so inspired her to do the work she's doing today at the same, in the same way that Senator Dole was inspired by Dr. Clakian. One thing you realize about listening to people like Carly and Senator Dole talk about these people in their lives is the, both of those two have met, you know, countless leaders and been inspired by countless leaders. And you go into Dole's office and you see pictures of him with every sure. president since Eisenhower. Sure. But they remember the people who might not be the most famous, but the people who truly did unlock their potential and who took them from who they were to who they are now. Yeah. And I think that's a powerful representation of leadership's not title, position, or power. It is truly unlocking potential in others. And it's mm -hmm. those people who you've never heard of who create people like Carly Fiorinas and Bob Doles. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's interesting because the next clip is going to reference a friend of both Carly's and Senator mm -hmm. Doles who not only had title, position, and power, but also was a person in both of their lives who I think contributed to that unlocking potential mindset and who was an inspiration to both of them. You and I, uh, you knew him far better than I did, but I was honored to call him my friend as well. You and I um, met a few times during John McCain's candidacy. Talk a little bit about John. Well, he was my buddy. 
That's what he said about you. <laughs> yeah, and I remember wearing his, what they called a POW bracelet. Mm-hmm. And if somebody was missing or prisoner, you'd get a little metal bracelet and wear it. And I wore John McCain's for I don't know how long. And I didn't tell him about it until, I don't know, one day in the Senate, it just occurred to me, maybe I should tell John. I can't remember the date, but we were both on the Senate floor, and I said, John, I need to tell you something. And I told him about the bracelet, and it was very emotional for him and me both because we were friends, great friends. He's an example of courage and respectability. Just wonderful guy. You know, he, uh, early on when I first met John, he told me that story. Oh, he did? He told me the story of you telling him on the Senate floor that you had worn his bracelet. And that was, of course, many years later, and he still was emotional about it. Right. Because uh, you were always his hero as well as his friend. Well, he was, an, you know, he was just a great guy. And he's very independent. What they learned is that John McCain certainly was a man of courage and certainly made a difference in his public life in the House and the Senate. So we were good friends, and he was a wonderful example. Well, and John McCain knew a leader when he saw one. And he saw a leader in you, and that's why he stuck with you. Yeah. As you know, he didn't stick with people he didn't see leadership in. I know. Well, John <laughs> John was an independent voice, and wasn't any question about where he stood. <laughs> yeah, you didn't have to—it wasn't really a mystery. No. One thing I love about this story, and maybe something that people our generation don't realize about the Vietnam era, mm-hmm. is— all of those POWs that were in Vietnam, there were bracelets made and given out pretty randomly uh, with the POW's name on it as a reminder to pray for them, as a reminder that there's somebody over there suffering right now. That's a nice idea. And yeah, absolutely. And by circumstance, Senator Bob Dole, who's in the Senate at the time, sure. is given a wristband that says John Sidney McCain III on it. Oh, randomly? Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize it was... Random chance. And wow. S- yeah, so then a couple of decades later, Senator Dole approaches Senator McCain on the floor. I believe they had just talked about something regarding the Vietnam War, maybe a memorial bill or something like that, and says, well, you know, John, I wore your bracelet through that war. Wow. And both of them became very emotional. Understandably. As Carly said, you know, remained emotional as they told the story throughout the years. Sure. It was a huge moment in their friendship, and, and they called each other their heroes. Wow. And uh, a a snapshot of, again, when asked about John McCain, neither Carly Fiorina or Bob Dole said, oh, he was a very powerful senator sure, and sure. a party nominee for president. That's right. It was independent voice. It was about moments they shared together. And it was about uh, the clarity of John McCain's stances on issues of importance to him. 
nothing about his title, nothing about his position, yeah. everything about his leadership. His courage, his yeah. character. Yeah, that is one of my favorite things about both Senator Dole, who I don't know as well, yeah. um, and, and certainly Carly, which is when they talk about people as leaders, the way that they do it is to highlight their character, their courage, and the qualities, humility, empathy that truly make them problem solvers and make them inspirational to others. And, and clearly, Senator McCain was one of those people. And in the same line, we talk about veterans, we talk about the connection that those two had through their shared experiences. Yep. I mean, those two's biography <laughs> look like they are the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Senator Dole also talks about what he does to this day at 95, and that is spending every Saturday morning when the weather is nice out on the mall at the World War II Memorial, which he helped build. And he sits out there and greets veteran honor flights. So I don't know if you've ever known anybody that's taken an honor flight mm -hmm. here, but my great uncle, I remember the first time I really knew about Senator Dole, I was a kid at my grandparents' table in Tipton, Kansas. My uncle Wilfred Pauls <laughs> comes back from D.C. and tells me the story of going to the World War II Memorial and seeing Bob Dole out there greeting veterans. And how long ago was that? This would have had to have been like 2008. Oh, so he's maybe been doing earlier. this for, for decades. Yeah, he's been doing this since the memorial has been there. Wow. And continues to do it to this day. Sits in his wheelchair right where the buses pull up on the south side of the memorial and waits for honor flights to unload and greets them all as they walk to the memorial. They talk about their service together. It is, and, and anybody can go out there and watch this happen when the weather's nice, it is... As moving a scene as you will see, all of these, you know, the World War II veterans, there's less and less of them. Right. And as it goes on, Vietnam, Korea, and uh, seeing them interact, it's, it's unbelievable. A very patriotic and moving experience. I go down the World War II Memorial on Saturdays. They have what they call honor flights that bring veterans from all over the country to see the memorials. They start with the World War II and then Korea and Vietnam. And I've met thousands of veterans, men and women, mostly men. And it's really a great experience to go down there on a Saturday morning and meet about two or 300 veterans. And think about what that means for them. Think about what it means for those veterans to be greeted by you, a fellow veteran, but from their point of view, an incredibly famous and decorated leader in this nation. And I wonder how many of them know that the World War II Memorial wouldn't even be there yeah. if you hadn't fought so hard for it and shared the effort. No, I think most of them understand Though I had a role in getting it constructed, but we don't really talk about that. We talk about how they're doing and what's their family. and There's that empathy again. Right. As well as that humility. Well, you want to learn a little about the person you're talking with. And I don't know, I love to go down on Saturdays and meet these veterans. I'm always surprised that how much some of these veterans know about me. They've either heard it or read it or somehow, and they never grab my right hand, for example, to shake hands because they know about that I can't r respond. Well, sir, you're famous, actually. You well, may not maybe, feel that way, but you are. <laughs> 
You're very famous for all the right reasons. There's yeah, some people who are famous for the wrong reasons. You're famous for the right reasons. Yeah, well, to some, I've become America's veteran because I still try to provide some public service on Saturdays. Well, I said at the beginning of this podcast that leadership isn't about title. It's about all the things you've talked with us about. But I think it is a good way to close the podcast by saying if you have to have a title, America's Veteran is a pretty great title to have. No, I think, yeah, I'm not sure I've earned it, but I'm working on it. You've earned it. You've earned it, sir. So. Thank you for being with us today. Oh, thank you, Carly. That line about where he's surprised that folks come to the memorial and know his story. Yeah, right. Right? I mean, at the same time, we know folks like your uncle are showing up and then going back home to their communities and just raving about the opportunity to meet Senator Dole. And he says, I'm surprised when people come and know, you know, my story and my history and who I am. I mean, that is just to me, again, it's that consummate example of humility and empathy and and where he says what he really wants to do with the memorial is hear their stories. I mean, what an incredible, he's really, he's not there to say, look at me, look at what a good person I am. He's there because he wants to reach out and understand and, and meet folks who have served their country and celebrate them. What an amazing, incredible active leadership. Yeah, he wants to thank them. I I think this routine that he has in a microcosm is the best explanation of the man there is. Because as you say, he doesn't go down there to give a speech. He doesn't go down there to be seen. Yeah, no photographers, no, no, none of that. No, he goes down there to thank them for their service. He's grateful to them for their service. And because he thinks that even at 95, there's something he could be doing to brighten these folks' day a little bit and make that experience a little bit better. Right. Uh, you know, it's unfathomable to imagine, you know, an average person at 95 saying, well, it's a Saturday morning. Yeah. It's raining. I'm going to go outside and sit there because there are these people that I should thank. Yeah, But absolutely. that's him. Well, and I think... You know, it's interesting, and this is a perfect segue into how I think we want to wrap today's conversation. So once again, rather than talk about himself as an awesome leader, what Senator Dole did during part of the conversation that we're going to play for you in just a moment here is he introduced another leader, another person who's inspired him, a person um, you and uh, and I had not heard of, uh, but who really inspired Senator Dole. And so we'll play a short clip from from their conver- from uh, Senator Dole and Carly's conversation about this man, John Kemp. Um, and then what we're doing this week is we actually, Carly went out and spoke with John Kemp. And so we're going to, as a bonus episode, if you're interested, and we hope you are and we think you should be because it's a phenomenal conversation with a true, uh, truly amazing pair of leaders. You can download that bonus episode and get access to that full conversation between Carly and John. Uh, But first, I'll allow Senator Dole to introduce his friend John Kemp. Oh, John Kemp, Jaminy. John Kemp is a quadruple amputee. Well, he was born without arms or legs. And And I've known him for a number of years, and I've been to his center. But you talk about courage and leadership. John Kemp has it all, and he's remarkable. He travels by himself. He's always been an example for me, and I think I've been an example for him. We're good friends. 
That's such a wonderful story. It's, you know, people get so confused about leadership and they think the leader is the big guy in the big office, you know, and actually leadership is about who you are and what you do and what you achieve. And John Kemp and Bob Dole are both great examples of that. Yeah, well, he's a greater example, but you're right. I mean, it, it's not how you look, and it's not your circumstances. It's not your gender. It's not your gender. Or your it's race. It's, it's the characteristics that you display and the character that you hold and what you choose to do with those things to help others. That's right. So I'll tell you that I was had the honor of being there when Carly talked to John Kemp. And this conversation, which is now available uh, with this one, is as good as any conversation she's had with the leader. And it goes to our point that I bet out of the people listening to this episode, I would be surprised if any of them have necessarily heard of John Kemp. But when you listen to that conversation, as clear as anybody else, you know that he's a leader and he's also gifted in sharing that message. Absolutely. And um, are there like a couple highlights? So I know what I'll share my one of my highlights is when um, it turns out John Kemp knew when Carly was at HP, she hired the first chief accessibility officer, I believe, That's right. um, who's a friend of John Kemp's. And so they had a great conversation. I, I'll be honest, and this just shows, frankly, my um, ignorance and how much more reading and research I need to do. But I didn't even realize that there were chief accessibility officers. And I think that's such a fantastic position and title, frankly, that. Um, well, in an organization as big as HP, they were really the first one to introduce that. And Carly, after the interview, talked to me and she said, people kind of thought I was crazy. Yeah. Bringing in an officer just for this. At the, at the C-suite. Yeah. And in John Kemp's interview, you'll hear how revolutionary that was for the disabilities community. Um, but you'll also hear simple things. You'll hear his story growing up. You'll hear who unlocked his potential. Um, but he was born, as Senator Dole said, no arms, no legs. His mom died when he was under two years old and he had a younger sister still. And you will be hard-pressed to find somebody who's more insistently positive, who is more empathetic toward not only people in his community, but maybe people who don't know how to address people in his community. Mm. He'll tell you about a story that happened to him that day on an airplane. Oh, wow. I mean, it's, it is a very moving conversation and also a very uplifting conversation with some really practical advice for everybody. Well, I'm really grateful to Senator Dole, A, for the conversation that he had with Carly and for the lessons we've had an opportunity to learn today, um, but also for introducing John Kemp into my life. And uh, I think you guys will all feel the same way. And hopefully you've enjoyed the conversation as much as Eric, I know, with his two favorite people. um, And I did. Uh, So for now, that's all. But you can always check out more episodes online at CarlyFiorina.com or on iTunes. Please subscribe so you can get all the episodes. And while you're there, if you like the podcast as much as we do, please rate us five stars and send us a review so more people can join our conversations. You can find more information and keep up to date on new episodes and offers by joining our email list at carlyfiorina.com slash by example. You can also send us feedback there or on Facebook and Twitter at Carly Fiorina. Also, go to carlyfiorina.com to be first to pre-order Carly's new book on leadership, Find Your Way, Unleash Your Power and Highest Potential. We hope you have a very Merry Christmas and look for a bonus Christmas message from Carly herself here on By Example, which will be released on Christmas Day. Guys, we know what she's planning on talking about in this episode, and you are not going to want to miss it. It Yeah, it's really spectacular. It's very spectacular. So on behalf of Carly Fiorina and Eric Pauls, I'm Casey Enders, and this is By Example.